So this is our last episode, and we figured for our last episode, we would kind of get back to the definition of faith itself and talk about faith as an act of trust in other people, um, which is something that is also super relevant to software, um, both at the social level of open source being the act of trusting random people to submit code or whatever else to your project, um, and then also even on a more technical level of um, how, what are ways that people can sort of like try to enforce trust on the code level or not, and does that make sense? Um, but yeah, kind of zooming out, I guess, just to faith itself and how it relates to trust. Yeah, so I think we were just discussing before that it, it feels like faith is, I guess you can think faith is like a noun and trust is the verb, and so faith is... Um, or trust is faith in action and it's like how we apply that and you know when you face certain especially in faith it's like you're facing certain struggles in your life and you 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 know are you going to have faith in yourself or in God or something um, that you're able to get through this like do you have hope um, for what's going to happen in the future even though you have no idea what's going to happen I actually have a story around this okay that like it's it's a little bit of an anecdote, but um, it embodied like it was like I think just like a great metaphor for me around understanding what that concept of faith or trust was. Um, I was at a friend's wedding a couple of years ago, and the bride's father made the bride and the groom this like box that or no it was like this he was like a magician so he did this whole like crazy magic trick which was really cool at the at the rehearsal dinner um, where he had them like pick a card <clears throat> and then. He like, you know, it was a typical like pick a card trick and then he had he went through like the entire deck and like, you know, so like, is this your card? No, no. And so they, he still didn't pick their card and then he handed them this wooden box and said, the card is inside this box um, and like it's locked or something like that and like, you can only ever open it once and then it's like, that's it. Um, and so you'll never really know that the card is inside this box, but you just need to sort of trust me that I magically got it in here somehow. Um, and was sort of like, if you ever uh, are feeling low on faith or on trust or something like that, um, you know, here's the key and you can always open the box and see that it's in there. But the idea, I guess, was that like you would go years and years not really knowing the end of this card trick and that whether he ever really did find the card and put it in the box, um, but you just sort of had to like trust it. And of course, this is at a wedding, so it was like a very like... Everyone was like crying and whatever, um, but I remember just being like, "Oh, this is like a really concrete way to embody the idea of like this is what trust is." Or when people talk about like faith in God or like is God real or not, it's sort of like you. I think um, skeptics of religion tend to say, "Well, how do you really? Pr- how can you really prove it? How can you really know it?" And I think the whole point is that it's like almost this more like beautiful idea to say, you, "Well, you don't," and yet you keep doing this even though you actually don't really know whether uh, whether the, any of this is real or worth it or anything like that. Um, and I think it's a really nice way to think about just, like, people in general where, um, I guess, like, in my understanding of God, like, I don't think of God as a person, so I don't really struggle with this idea of, like, is God real or not? Because I'm just sort of like, well, God is a metaphor to me anyway, so, like, of course it's real because it's a construct in my own head. Um, but I do think, like, the part of, like, individual people where I think of like there being a bit of God in each person um like that that like the way I would the closest way I can get to like defining what that is is by saying it's the part of people that is like inherently unknowable or or inherently undefinable um which I think is consistent with this idea of God being something that you just like can't ever really like pin down or know um and I I sort of like 
I, I think it's like a really nice thing that there are some like parts of people that we just like can't understand and they're just sort of like undefinable. Um, and just like trusting that like, I'm going to have to interact with this person. I'm going to have to work with people and just like trust them regardless. Yeah. I think you brought that up before about like kind of like the mystery of faith and like God. And yeah, I think that's, I think it makes even more sense as someone that does believe that God is a person where it's like in all of our relationships, in, in a relationship, you're trying to figure out more about that person to know them more, right? And to know someone isn't to know like, you know, not necessarily like what they like or like who they are as in like these like attributes, quote unquote, but because um, then it's like, oh, I know this you know, this room or this table, right? And with the person, it's a little bit deeper than that. Or with, like, maybe your dog. And then with the person, it's like, okay, they have their own thoughts that you don't know. And the only way to really know them is if they reveal that to you, right? Because they have to respond back. And I think seeing God in that way is, it just feels, I mean, I guess in Christianity, it, it, it just makes it all that it is, really, that um, that God isn't, simply a metaphor but um it was it's like i think a lot of people have a concept of god right in their mind like you were saying um but then in christianity god became quote-unquote real in that it became a it turned from a concept into an actual person in the body of christ and it turned it kind of turns this like story or like um you know like i, I think i mentioned this before but like you know like there's like everyone's so into like like you know like the venom and all these heroes and superheroes and stuff like that it's like why do we seek after that so much um and it's like in in the person of christ it's like okay we turned this myth into something that's reality or at least for some people um and yeah it just i don't know for me it just it makes it feel a lot more real yeah do you think there's some inherent concept that I guess like if I was if I were thinking about like trusting a god, I think I would assume that um, there's some aspect of fallibility about them. Or like to me, that's a big mm. part of trust is that like you know there's always the possibility of something happening that you don't expect or that you don't like um, or that's out of character, and that you continue to trust that person anyway. Um, but I feel like people usually talk about God as like a perfect being. So right. do you? Yeah, if someone were perfect, then why would you need to trust them at all? Yeah, um, I guess I would say that it's not that, so um, I guess that I would say the default is that we want to trust ourselves, um, and that makes a lot of sense, because if you can't, um, I mean, just going through life or whatever, like, it feels like the way we should do things is like, at least I should believe in me, uh, and so Believing in God is really weird in the sense that you're kind of going against that, and it's really hard. Um, and so you can still, like mentally, you can believe in your mind, like, oh, my God is perfect and all that, and I should trust in Him. But in reality, it's that's why it's, it is a daily practice, and it's something that it's almost like, a, you know, we talk about like a spiritual formation or spiritual muscle. It's like trusting in something else is very difficult to do. Yeah. Yeah, I think it applies to, like, relationships in general, too. And in particular, I think, like, long-term partnerships and stuff. Um, 
where like I've, I've heard a lot of people say that like like the secret to like a very like long lasting relationship is having is there always being some part of that person that you don't fully know, um, which didn't make sense to me when I was younger because I just figured like well you're with this person all the time and isn't the whole point isn't isn't the sign of trust that like you're sharing everything with each other, um, but I think that I've like started to understand that a lot better. Um, a friend actually said this to me recently about his parents. He said something like his his dad uh, turned to him and made this like offhand comment at some point that like I've you know been married to your mother for whatever 30, 40 years, um, and I still feel like I don't know everything mm. about her. And my first reaction was like, oh, that's kind of sad. Like, was that like a bad <laughs> a bad context or bad comment? And he said, no. The point was that it was almost like this this bit of all where like you could yeah. be so close to someone for so long and like have you know turned over every facet of them in your mind and still like accepting that there's just some part of them that will always be hidden off to you and I think that's actually like a really nice thing yeah I, I think that really applies to God himself too it's like if this God is a perfect being um, and all-knowing and all that stuff then in some sense you're always gonna not know and there's that desire to want to know him more um, that there is some sense of mystery and you can't it's kind of the opposite. I would say that God knows everything about ourselves, but we might not know about Him. And it's you know almost like a purpose of our life to kind of learn, discover more of Him. And not just to know Him, but to, we would say, enjoy Him. And so, like, enjoy God for who He is by Himself. And I think that's really hard because what happens is you, you tend to trust someone because of what they give you um, or what they can provide for you, right? So it's like... I. Like when people pray about things, they're praying for like um, certain blessings, like, hey, give me this job or X, Y, more money or whatever it is, um, or like deliver me from something. But then in the in the midst of that, you might lose the fact that you're trying to, especially in your faith, it's like to desire God for God himself, um, which just feels weird, but that's like what we do in our relationships, right? It's like we care about that person, not like that they're giving us X, Y, Z. And especially in Christianity, in some sense, it makes sense because he's already given us everything. And in our faith, we believe that God has shown us his desire to be with us, his love for us, through, um, through Jesus. Um, and in, his, in that case, it's through the sacrifice of his son. And so a lot of that, it feels weird because it's like that's such a like negative thing, but it's saying that... Um, you know, you know, love is about sacrifice as well, and so I think if that's the ultimate act or the the core of the faith, then how else are we going to live our lives so we can do that too? Not just for him, but for everyone around us. So, how does this all transfer over to managing an open source project? <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, smooth segue here. Yeah, smooth segue. I, I guess at least in terms of like doing the maintenance part um i don't know this is kind of like why why do i do this at all um i think the way you know you want to go about maintaining or leading a project is through i guess you could use the word like servant leadership and i think it's like god is in a position where if we believe that god is like all powerful or whatever why would he like do like why would he sacrifice his son why would he do all these things where it feels like i mean if you're in a position of power you should like have that right but he reigns through weakness. And I think in our sense, maintainers, um, you know, we, 
it looks like on the outside we have every, we like we know what we're doing, but we're just trying to help other people. And I think for me, it's like how do we learn to, you know, empower others to get involved, which is I guess evangelism. But then there's also like being vulnerable and saying like I I have. I'm a flawed person, but yet I'm still working toward this goal. And do you want to be a part of that? Because there's something bigger than ourselves that we can be a part of, versus just giving people like random like issues and expecting that they're going to be inspired to want to stay for this in the long term, right? It's like if you have a vision for what this is going to be,、um, then let's move toward that. And I think in faith we talk about like bringing the kingdom of God here、um, or the kingdom of heaven. And that,、uh, yeah, our allegiance is isn't to this world or this city, but the city of God. I think it's, it, I think it's funny because some people might be like, "Oh, that's kind of like that means you don't care about the world, this current place." But it's it's saying that we do care about it, but it's not our ultimate goal.、Um, and that through helping people here, we're helping bring the kingdom here too. How do you know? I guess, like, how do you like measure is not the right word, but like, how do you intuitively know what level of trust you feel for someone? So I was thinking, like, there's trust between, like, at one extreme, like,、uh, between a maintainer and like someone who's contributing for the first time that you've never heard of, who、mm. has like no other reputation that you're aware of, and then all the way in the other extreme, you also still need to trust like someone you've given commit access to, or just like your other maintainers,、um, where like they could easily just. Take over the project, do something crazy, kick you out of the org, whatever.、Um, uh, and so there's some level of trust required. Like no matter how well you get to know someone, there's still like there's always some level where like you just need to trust them.、Um, so how do you like sort of think about that gradient of like yeah, on, on some level you're just like not really ever trusting, or you're never able to fully know that someone is you know perfect or something. Yeah, I kind of, especially in open source, it's really hard. Like, if someone just makes a PR and you merge it, and it's good. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to immediately going to add them as a collaborator. I, although I guess some projects do that. It it almost feels like a ramping up kind of thing. like not exponential, but like it just like once once they've gotten to a point where like oh you feel like they it seems like they care about the project, not just their own thing, whatever. It feels easier to trust them, and maybe it's just. I feel like it's way easier to trust them if, like, maybe you met them in person or like you saw them at a conference or, or maybe you've seen them do other things in different projects. So,、um, if it's just purely based on like that one act, you have no idea. And maybe that's another important point that it's not a singular thing. It, just like maintaining a project is about doing it over time. Just like software changes over time,、um, your level of trust for someone will grow, and I guess could decline based on what happens. And probably for like different tasks and stuff too. Like, yeah, you might trust people to do one thing but not another.、And、to what extent do you expect them to kind of like know their own level of trust, if that makes sense? Because I imagine for some people, it's sort of like they think they should be more trusted than they are, or they think they've earned a certain level of trust or something. Or yeah, and then like, how do you how do you negotiate that conversation? No, that's a really interesting question.、I'm、not sure. I feel like. At least in my experience, the people that think they deserve more trust—I、um, don't know—I guess you're always going to be biased. So, like, I feel like if you're in that position, I don't know if you do. 
It's like a weird thing to ask for, right? Like it's, yeah. I don't know. Uh, like at the same time, I also think like it's good to ask for things that you want or think you've earned or deserved and maybe people like haven't, haven't noticed. Seen it, right? yeah. yeah, there's a, for sure. a, a Python maintainer who like didn't have commit access for a very, very long time and then just like at some point Guido's like, oh, we haven't give, given access to this person. Like, of course, you know, but it was because just like no one had really brought it up yet. Uh. Um, but like, yeah, I don't know when it's like premature to ask for someone's trust versus not. Actually, maybe it does, maybe it just depends on the maintainer then because I feel like we don't have this problem because I spend a lot of time trying to figure out who is actually involved. Um, and so it's pretty easy and that, you know, maybe you make tools and you just track that thing and you just, I understand that. But thinking back, this actually happened to me where when I was working on Babel, um, I did a lot of things without being a collaborator and it was like way later when I asked um, the original creator, Sebastian, like, hey, can you give me collaborator access? It's like, oh, I thought I gave it to you like months ago. <laughs> and I never bothered to ask because I was scared. So I guess that's very true. So it kind of depends on like your situation with your project. Like, are you actively like looking for that? If you're not, then it's possible there are a lot of people that should or could be added, but they aren't. Yeah. I want to talk about this a little bit as um, also this question of like, are, uh, whether you need to like trust someone's code or trust someone as a person and like when that is different, right? Like I imagine when you're talking about like maintainers or like very regular contributors, it starts to be really about trusting that person. Yeah. Whereas when like it's the someone's first time contribution, like it really doesn't matter who the person is behind it. You can kind of just like review the code and, and decide whether it's useful or not. Hmm. Right? That's or, a really good point, I think. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that, I think so. Because like, if you have no context on the person, then at some point you're you're really just looking at the code. But if you want to be a little bit more responsible, I guess I mean every single person you look at, you can look at their background or check out their profile. Almost, you don't have to, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking like it almost seems like an, uh, like thinking making the switch from like trusting code to trusting people is like an extra investment of your brain time, also, right? Like why i don't know like you you probably don't want to go around like tracking their whole story on the internet if like at the extreme let's say it was like a really simple change and you're like all right this change looks fine right um but there's some point where it's like all right maybe i do want to like invest more into understanding who this person is because they keep coming back or, or whatever um yeah like if it's a typo like you don't you're going you're probably not even gonna look at them it's just kind of like oh that was cool <laughs> but you're like if you want them to like continue to stay then you're probably going to be like hey what are you interested in that, that's more of like an onboarding process but yeah, if it is like a huge core change or something, then you're like, what's your motivation for doing this? Are you just trying to like add your thing in? Or do you care about like the sustainability of this project? It's like, yeah, in some sense it is, it does feel like it's more important about the person because if they had don't have the shared vision of this project, then they should either fork it or do something else because unless they're able to convince people and usually maybe they're just you know, mad or angry, and it's like, okay, if you're not going to have, like, a civil discussion about this change, then we're not going to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's people that can stick through that. Um, it's just, I guess, maybe at up front, they kind of expect, like, oh, they're asking for help, and I made a PR, so then you kind of have to merge it for me or something. And this is very true in anything, and especially, in, I was just thinking about, like, TC39, so, like, the standards committee for JavaScript and, like, moving those syntax proposals forward. And like, I think if you want to do that, you might expect to spend like maybe, you know, two years of your life trying to like 
make one of those things merge. But if you told someone that up front, then I think no one would want to do it because they're like, that's a really, really long time. But if you're able to explain like the process and then also that language, like it's 20 years old, you know, two years out of 20 years is not like quote unquote that bad. And how long is JavaScript going to stay around and like and languages in general, right? Hmm. That's like another trust thing of like trusting in like future legacy or like how, yeah, is this, is this a worthy investment for a long time because we expect this is going to be around or it's worth spending our time on, even if you don't really know. I feel like I, I like, it's so just strange to see it's just in the rise and fall of like programming languages or ecosystems over time where like how much do you decide to like deeply invest in a new language or ecosystem um, because it seems that it sort of like turns over every couple of years mm. but then there is some continuity that you see or like some some languages might like make a comeback after a few years or something like that and so yeah like on a broader level it's like how much are you trying to design things for like way off in the future versus maybe just the next three to five years right i guess that goes into the whole like tooling fatigue and all that even though it's very exaggerated in my view as someone that works on tools, but yeah. When does it make sense to, uh, or when is it ever even really possible to uh, encode trust versus just trying to like trust people and accept that sometimes you're gonna be wrong? Because um, I was thinking this comes up a lot in um, crypto space around this idea of like on-chain governance, which is the idea that you can like basically enforce governance algorithmically in some shape or form Mm. um, or that you you yeah you want it to be a a part of the code um, as opposed to off-chain governance which is like governance that's managed just like between people um, that doesn't touch the code and I'm generally like very anti on-chain governance um, just because I think it's like there is just no way to really um, yeah I mean like I I don't even want to live in a world where like ruling of people is governed by code versus by like human actions that are a lot um just a lot more malleable um but then i was thinking like on a much much smaller level like we do like things like tests um and like testing is like a really important piece of it seems like reducing the uh, mental overhead for like random contributions that are coming into your project and just sort of like make the button go green like you know uh, it's less work for the maintainer to have to think about. So there's some level of saying like, I don't have to trust you as much when I know that like your tests are passing. Um, so that, to me, that feels like a very small way to say like, there is some sort of trust that can be like encoded into the project. Mm. Um, but then on the other extreme, the thought of like managing like the actual governance of a project on chain seems like really off to me. Um, so yeah, where's that, where's that line between like, and, and, and on the other extreme, like, is it even, is it even really sensible to say that, to like you know not really deeply look at someone's code because the tests are passing because like what if the tests are wrong wow that's a lot (laughs) that was a lot oh that's interesting though like because i always i guess i always think of trust as being between people but obviously it's you can i guess in this case you're deferring it to something that's not a person what's between like yeah, people and code, I guess, which is not that different. I guess you could say, well, code is just written by people, so you're you're trusting some person. Um, right, you're just def- like it's another level. Yeah. Higher or down or whatever. 
and there's like this idea of, I guess, code as an institution. If I were, if I were thinking about an equivalent in non-software world, like we sort of just like trust the law, or we all mm. have a shared trust in our government, um, even if people don't like the government. Like we we've all bought into this system where we agree that if you do something that's a crime, like there is some course of action through the law, and like yeah, we've all just sort of like bought into that idea or even like money is like an act of mm-hmm. buying into the, the system of money is an act of trust. Um, so yeah, it's not, it's not, but I guess it is also like, it's not really about, I feel like that's still about trust between people. Um, because it's always people all the way down. Yeah. Like in the end, it's, it's uh it's agreeing that we're all going to coordinate around this one system that we've yeah, decided upon. Um, and if enough people defect from that system, then you've also, you, that system doesn't mean anything anymore. So I guess that's like, to go back to like testing, it's maybe a similar thing of, if people were to like really mess with the system or not respect it or not like take it seriously um, or write bad tests or whatever, yeah. Um, then yeah, we, we've lost faith in that system just because we, we had agreed we were all like buying into it. Um, and if enough people aren't buying into it, then it's no longer a useful system to trust. Hmm. I guess it just makes me think about like, well, we talked about like authority and leadership before. And it's like you're, you're trusting in some kind of authority. And then that also gets me to think about the other side, which is responsibility. And I think there's this weird, um, I don't know, dichotomy or parallel where it's like, you want to trust in other things, but then you also have your own responsibility. And I, especially like since we're using the example of testing, it's really it's easy to sometimes just be like, oh, I have the test, so now I don't have to think about it as much, or or I don't have to be responsible because the test covered what I'm doing. And so you have this false sense of security where it's like, oh, just because I have thousands of tests, that means I covered everything and it's good. Or that, and then maybe, yeah, you don't get into the nitty-gritty of, like, is this test even correct? And so it's just, like, levels on, now you have to have, like, tests for your tests or something? It's, like... <laughs> yeah, it's, like, playing whack-a-mole. I think going back to um, the idea of trust and faith, it makes me think that, like, similarly, you could say, if, if originally we were talking about, sorry, like, how, how trust is about not fully knowing the other person or God or whomever, um, and just sort of, like, accepting that you're not going to know everything and that things might go in, in different ways and that you might not have planned, and, um, and that's, that's okay. okay yeah. um, but I think, like, the, the flip side of that is to also acknowledge that it doesn't give you a license to just, like, mm. not care or not do anything. Like, I guess an extreme of that would be, like, someone who just, like, doesn't work or at all or doesn't try or anything it's just like oh god will provide for me um but like obviously you need to go do something in the world and like make some sort of like luck for yourself or like do some of the work yourself um and same in like relationships where like you can't just say like oh it's just gonna work out somehow like you have to actually like put a lot of work into a relationship to make it work um Mm -hmm. but it seems like almost contradictory to say those two things to say like isn't the whole point that you should just like not know and accept that you don't know but then also you're asking me to do work no, yeah, I think this is, like, literally one of the the biggest, I don't know, I guess, paradoxes of faith. Um, but it's also, I would call it a healthy struggle. So um, what we think about is this idea that God is, like, sovereign, he's in control. And because he's in control, that's why we should trust in him at all. If he wasn't in control, why would we put our trust in this person? 
Um, but at the same time, like what you said, doesn't mean we don't do anything. And so we have simultaneously this idea that God is in control, but yet He has called us to be responsible for what we should do. And somehow those things have to align, and then we kind of believe in both at the same time. If it was all our responsibility, then we have no hope that that we're ever going to get anything done because we're just ourselves. But at the same time, yeah, we're, we should do it. And I think this is a struggle that um, that you just have throughout your whole life. But um, yeah, I think it's, yeah, I don't know. In some ways, it's just like, I don't know, it's kind of cool in a way too. Yeah, I think in like a, in a non-God context mm -hmm. for me, like the way I think about it is, there's some, there's some percent, like if, if you're thinking like modeling your outcome or something, let's say it's like 95% work or it's on you or things that you can control. I don't know what the actual percentage is, but let's just say it's like 95%. And there's like some 5% like randomness factor, or like a randomness mm -hmm. beacon um, that like you just, you don't know what the inputs are. You have no idea how it's going to change things. And you just sort of have to accept that it's like part of it. And like, you wouldn't say just because there is that 5% randomness that could like totally change your outcomes. Like it doesn't mean you don't do the other 95% of the work. Like you want to, you want to be able to affect your outcome as much as possible. And so you want to like put in as much as you can, mm -hmm. but you're also accepting that even if you do like the 95% perfectly, there's still some like randomness where someone's going to just roll dice and like change your outcome enormously. And like, that's just part of the game or part of the system. And yeah. And so if that happens, you don't just say, well, I, I did all this work. Like, why did that, happen you just say okay that that's part of the game yeah um yeah i think we brought this up before but um especially in faith we when we talk about trust it's not just like uh how because we're talking about like how much do you trust a certain person but uh, i i'm just thinking back to stuff i've read where uh the bible talks about how it's not really about how much faith you have in god although that obviously it still matters but that it's about like what or who you're putting your trust in. And so this is an example that talks about how like if you have the faith of a mustard seed, which is a very small little tiny thing, um, even that amount of faith can move mountains. And the reason why you can say that is because it's not because of you, it's the thing that you're trusting in. And so if you believe in a God that is powerful, then even the smallest amount of trust means something to you. Um, and this is, I guess this is true for in other aspects as well. Like, um, you know, when you're going on a uh, plane, right, to fly somewhere, you're trusting that the pilot knows what he's doing or he or she, and then like the plane itself is gonna work and all that stuff. Or you go to the dentist that you, you, you like, make, you're really trusting that they're not gonna like, screw up everything. Um, maybe you don't trust them a lot, right? But, um, but you know, like, oh, okay. <laughs> they, you know, they got a degree or whatever it is. Um, yeah. Sort of crazy to think about, like, you're describing as a mustard seed, but as you're going through those kinds of examples, like pilots and dentists and stuff, it's kind of like everything we're doing is, like, you really just don't know anything about anyone. Mm. Or, I don't know, it's like walking outside is an enormous act of trust. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's, you know, like, waking up, I mean, talking about just, like, breathing and, like, all those things, like, and... I think that's pretty, like, well-embodied and open-source. Like, when you actually work on code or maintainer, you're like, how does this even work at all? People are like, oh, good job for, like, doing this thing. It's like, well, it's only, like, one or two people, and then, like, millions of people are using it, and somehow it's still working. And 
you just like, I guess you're living in trust too, because like there's no way that you could even handle the amount of things you have to think about. Yeah, it's sort of this like mixed. I feel like I always have this like mixed reaction to the deeper I dig into um, how open source works, because on the one hand, you're just like, how is this functioning? This is like popsicle sticks. Um, it's crazy. And on the other hand, you're like, but it is functioning somehow and has continued to function. Um, which I think actually, again, goes back to this question of like, well, how much work do you do versus just sitting back and trusting? Because like, I've definitely also had the thought of, well, if it is working, Mm. then maybe I should just, you know, yeah, it's fine. Um, but then it's like, no, it could still be better. Even if, even if we can also trust that it's going to function regardless. Like, I think like the healthcare system in the U S is another example of this where like, sure, it's still like working i guess in the sense that we have healthcare, um, but it's like widely considered to be not great either it doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to improve mm. these systems it just means that um there is also some like if you zoom out some some level of like magic and appreciation of that like just how much does function in this world um despite like so many reasons why it shouldn't right so it's like you can appreciate and almost in all of like that it works at all but we're not like celebrating how awesome it is Right. We're trying to like make it better, and I get, yeah, it kind of kind of speaks to me of like yeah, just like the fragility of like all the systems that we have, and you know ourselves, and it's I think it's really cool that when I read in the, the Bible about how like like it says that like God uses the the weak to oppose the proud, and like um, it's just interesting that He would use what you think is like people that are not in power to be able to affect that kind of change. And, you know, going back, even back to evangelism, like, it's like, you're really scared of talking about any of this stuff, um, and you have no idea what you're doing, but you kind of, in that sense, you're also trusting that something's going to, something that, um, that guy will, like, kind of use you, even though you are weak or you have no idea what you're doing, and you'll still be able to make change. And I think that's, like, amazing in the sense that you don't have to be the, you know, the greatest person in any aspect, right? And yet, um, things still move forward. Um, and I think that's so true in open source that, you know, you have people that are unpaid that probably most maintainers are accidental. Um, they didn't, they haven't, didn't have experience in maintaining before. Even for me personally, I didn't have any experience in compilers or the thing I was working on. And yet, somehow, you know, like, you, you actually are able to make things happen. Um, and in that sense, it is almost like surreal in a way. Um, how like how is this possible thanks for listening if you'd like to continue the conversation you can find us on twitter at leftpad or nyafia or on our website hopeandsource.com